I feel like I'm getting one of those COVID tests where they stick something way far up your nose. Okay. Let's see where that's going to hang, right there. Good morning, everybody. Is that too loud? I started with this title as I thought about the lesson this morning. Three tips to draw closer to God that will make you feel better. After I got that first tip fleshed out, I realized that nobody was going to feel better when I got done with all three because you're going to be here for a while. So the first of three tips to draw closer to God that will make you feel better. Can you still hear me? I cannot have this thing wrapped around my ears. You hear me? Okay. Um, I think when we uh, consider drawing close to God, one of the common scripture references that we go to is James chapter 4 and verse 8. And and in fact, as we talk about this topic of a practical tip for growing closer to God and feeling good about it, we're going to use for some of you some pretty common scriptures. But I think we often draw James chapter 4 and verse 8 out of the writing of James, where it says, Draw close to God, and he will draw close to you. Your version may say, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That by itself, I think, is a very comforting phrase. You can probably go online, and you can search, and you would find posters, beautiful posters. You know, something probably like this. A guy standing on the beach like it's the perfect day. The sun is just coming up over the sea, and it says, draw close to God, and he will draw close to you. Very comforting, very beautiful. But I'd like us to consider a couple of other things in the context of of that phrase. The first one is the opposite of what that might mean. Don't draw close to God, and he will not draw close to you. And then when you really read James chapter 4, it's not a warm, fuzzy set of scriptures that he's giving people when we just draw James chapter 4 in the first part of verse 8 out. He's really given the readers a written tongue lashing. Why? Because their speech and their conduct was anything but drawing closer to God. Even when you consider the rest of James 4 and verse 8, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. That's the warm, fuzzy part that we really like. But the rest of it says, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He's getting on them because they aren't drawing closer to God. But I'm presenting the case today that there are things that we can do to draw closer to God. And in that drawing closer to God, I think we can have the expectation that we're going to feel good about it. It is okay to get something out of our relationship with God. It is okay to have joy and to feel happy as we draw closer to God. I think there's a couple of reasons that we need to consider why we would want to draw closer to God. And I can tell you up front as you consider these that this is a journey. This is a journey that spans our entire life. So this practical tip that I am providing you today is not something that You just take the lesson, you go out, and you put it in place tomorrow, and you're done. This tip is going to take you the rest of your days. 
And that journey is going to be with, you know, is really going to be worth it. I, I commit to you that if you take this journey, it will be worth it. Because along this journey, you're going to find a couple of things. The closer you are to God, the further away you will be from Satan. Think about that. As I draw nearer to God, that is moving me away from the devil. Think about what James says in chapter 4 and verse 7. Submit to God. We must submit to God to draw near to him. And resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And here comes then uh, verse 8, right? Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. The closer you are to God, the further away you will be from Satan. I think the second thing that you're going to see as you draw near to God is you better understand, you better understand his love for you. Let me draw you a mental picture. You're standing on a hill, and you're looking down into a valley, and you see God there, and he's working on something. But you're not sure exactly what it is. But you know where he is. You know where God's at. And you know what? You've just got so much going on in your life. You're, you're really, really busy. And so you don't move any closer down the valley to see God. You stay where you're at. The devil loves it when you're comfortable where you're at in your relationship with the Father. He likes that you just stay up there on the hill thinking that you're closer to God. But here's what you would find if you changed your mind. And you started walking towards God. You started to draw near to God. You would figure out pretty quickly as you near him that he is working on something very important. In fact, the closer you get, you figure out that he's working on something for you. And you look back over your shoulder away from the Lord and you see a storm coming in. It's going to be a doozy. If you live in Billings for a while, you can look out west as those storms come in or the south and you see them move in. Big black clouds rolling in and you know it is going to be a wicked storm. You draw a little bit closer to God and you figure out what he's doing. He has put everything that he has into building you the perfect storm shelter. And you know it's for you because your name is written across the entrance. You wouldn't have seen it if you stayed on top of the hill. But you drew closer to God and you started to see just how much he loves you, that he put everything into this. Go into the storm shelter. You look back. Had you stayed on that hill, you'd have been whacked by hail. You'd be bloody and bruised. But you drew closer to God. So there's some real value in drawing closer to God for whatever reason, whatever brings you closer to God, it's of value to you. And, and I think here's a real practical tip then to draw closer to God and feeling good about it. Be in worship all the time. Well, that was easy. I'm all done now. Be in worship all the time. All right. I better define that a little bit more. I think that we get a good idea about what it means to worship all the time when we look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. The worship that Paul is talking about is the way that we live our life. It should be embedded in, in who we are. It's not a Sunday morning activity. It is a lifestyle that we present ourselves both internally and externally, both to God and everybody around us. I wrote here, it is not a single day performance. It is an everyday, all the time, who I am. 
One of the challenges that we have as Christians is that I think too often we separate church from regular life. But if we're being honest with ourselves and we see a different person within ourselves outside of this building or away from our churchy family, whether that's at home, in our activities, at work, folks, we are not worshiping all the time. And in fact, we are living a false life before God. If we have a separation between how we worship and how we live our lives outside of this church building. Christians are the temple of the living Christ. Allow me to remind you what God has told us about being the body of Christ. I'm going to read you some scriptures here. 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Romans 8, verse 10, If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. 2 Corinthians 13.5, test yourself to see if you are in the faith, examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you you fail the test. There is no time that we are away from God. There is no time that we should be outside of that life worship to our Father. So when I say worship all the time, I'm not talking just, uh, just about a time reference, 24 by 7. I'm really talking about state of life. Another time that I think that we're really good at drawing near to God is when we're in trouble, when we got problems, when there is sorrow going on. And yet, I'm going to take some, a couple of other scriptures out of uh, Romans chapter 12, and I think that we're going to see something else here. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 and 16. For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Don't be proud of yourself. Uh, Don't have a lot of pride in your life. Then over to verse 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do, Do not be wise in your own estimation. When we start to think that we are okay... When we start to think that things are really, really good, well, why do I need to draw closer to God? Things are going well. The writer of Ecclesiastes has a really good statement. I'm going to read 519. When God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is a gift from God. We need need to draw closer to God all of the time, in the good times and in the difficult times. Well, how do we do this? How do we worship all the time? Here's a couple of other practical tips that go along with it. Start by considering our thoughts up here that lead to our words and our actions. I'll give you an example. Jesus says in Matthew 12, verses 36 and 37, that we are going to be held to an account on everything that we say, every word that proceeds from our mouth. We're going to be judged by that. Do you think that Jesus was only talking about Sunday mornings, Wednesday evenings, every word? Jesus is talking about the thoughts that lead to our our words. We're going to be judged by that. So our words are part of our worship. What we say, how we interact with people is part of our worship. 1 John 2.28 Now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. Don't be ashamed 
if Jesus comes at any time and you're speaking to somebody else. Don't be ashamed if Jesus comes and you're in conversation. You say, oh, Jesus, not right now. Because let me finish this conversation and, 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 and then I'll come over here. We need to know that Jesus could come at any point in time and we'd better be engaged in worship all of the time. Another way that we can be in worship all the time is pray without ceasing. I think we can get prayer wrong if we think we have to stop, drop, fold our hands, bow our heads all of the time to have a prayer to the Lord. I don't have any problem with that practice. But I think prayer can go beyond that. Prayer is any reverent communication to our God. I think that can happen throughout the day in long mental dialogue with our Father. It might even be in just short bursts of conversation with God. Our, uh, I believe that we can call out to the God with praise, honor, sorrow. Help me, Lord, at all times during the day, even when we're engaged in activities. Now, some of us might struggle how to pray at all times. I, I get it. What do we pray for? How do we pray? But I think God's given us a couple of tools that maybe we don't use all of the time, and that is songs and scripture. He's given us real great aids if we need help in knowing how that we can pray without ceasing. All right, so pick up your songbooks. I was just kidding. We don't do that anymore. We're going to sing what is in our songbooks as 797, but it's going to show here on the screen. And take a look at this. Even the name of the song is a statement of prayer. Lord, we come before thee now. Oh, should I have worn my glasses? No, I can get there. So when we sing a song with the right attitude that starts up here, we are praying to God. A lot of our songs are written as prayers. So we're going to sing the first two verses just to practice. You with me? Okay. Lord, we come before thee now. At thy feet we humbly bow. Oh, do not our suit disdain. Shall we seek thee, Lord, in vain? Shall we seek thee, Lord, in vain? Lord, on thee our souls depend. In compassion now descend. Fill our hearts with thy rich grace. Tune our lips to sing thy praise. Tune our lips to sing thy praise. What did we just do? All together, guys and gals, singing out loud, we are praying to God. Think of some of the other songs that we sing, some that Brian led, uh, Amazing Grace, How Great Thou Art. Folks, those are, those are great songs, but they are songs of prayer, and we can use them anytime we want to. Because sometimes I can't think, but sometimes I've got a song stuck in my mind. That song can be a great tool to pray to our Lord. You can read a psalm to God in prayer. The Psalms are more than just something that we, that we use in Bible class to teach a lesson. They are great guides in prayer. We're going to practice that too. We're going to read together Psalm 145. And, and if you would, if it's convenient, let's stand as we read together Psalm 145. And we're going we're to read it as it was intended, a prayer to our God. 
Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. On the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts, and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness, and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy are over all his works. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and, you, and your godly ones shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. To make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord sustains all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. The Lord keeps all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. You, you can be seated. What did we just do? Together, guys and gals, we prayed out loud using a psalm. So if you're struggling with what to pray for, how to pray without ceasing, you can, you can just tag Psalm 145 and read it as a prayer to God. I got this other great piece of advice. If you're wondering how to use psalms, there's this little thing called Google. Anybody ever used it? You could, it's amazing what you can find when you type in psalm of praise. I, I'm ready to praise God and, and I need some help. What's a psalm of praise? Boom, here you go. I'm really having a bad day. Psalm of sorrow. You will find that, that God has given us wonderful tools if we want to use them to pray without ceasing. Um, you in a bad mood? Try Psalm 130. Psalm of sorrow with hope. Need a prayer because bad people are against you? Consider Psalm 31. God has given us wonderful, unending tools to use if we need some help, some aid, to have a prayer life that is prayer without ceasing because when we do that, when we use what he has given us, we will grow closer to God because we are in continual contact with him in prayer. You know what this tip costs you? Nothing. No money out of your pockets to do this tip to draw closer to God. But we do have to be willing to change. I'm going to pick up with Romans chapter 12 again and read verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. When we are, when we are praying without ceasing, when we are considering our conduct, which includes what we do with our hands and the words that we speak from our mouth, we are doing what is acceptable to the Lord. 
and we have to change. That is that being transformed. I'm going to touch briefly on another tip for growing closer to God. This needs a whole class devoted on it, so I'm going to save it for a later time. We cannot grow closer to God when we hold ourselves back due to guilt. Here's a true statement. I am not good enough to be close to God. Other thoughts might go like this. I can't get close to God. I've got too many issues. Do you know what I've done? Oh, yes, we are guilty before God. God is holy. We are not. None of us are. It is impossible on our own to get close to God, but God made it possible. I, I, I want to go to that very popular, well-known scripture from John 3. So we turn our Bibles over to John 3, and we start in verse 16. <clears throat> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But we need to read some more. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. Side note, you remember when Jesus came, he was given all power and all authority by the Father in heaven. There was nothing that Jesus could not do. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the one, the only begotten Son of God. If God had sent Jesus to be the judge, jury, and executioner, this building would be pretty empty. Well, in fact, there wouldn't be a building because there wouldn't be anybody around to build it. But Jesus took our sins away on the cross. We cannot forget this fact. Even when we realize that we are guilty and have no right on our own to be close to God, God made it so. I'm going to put some things God says in a lot of Scripture into something shorter. God says this. Yes, you can get close to me. I said so. I made it so. I sent Jesus, my son, to remove your guilt so that you can get close to me. Don't stay where you are. Get close to me. You'll be a lot happier. You'll be away from Satan. You'll see more how much I love you. You know, I hope that you are happy in Jesus. I hope you are one who has claimed and declared Jesus Christ as your Savior. I hope that you have had your sins washed away. God's Word says that washing, that cleansing happens in baptism, a word that has always meant buried in water, to be submerged, to go under a sinner, to come out a child of God. And if you aren't a child of God in this way, I continue to, I mean, I just want to continue to encourage you to study your Bible, to be in prayer without ceasing because I trust that when you want this, when you desire this, God is going to guide you. God is going to show you. He will not let you down if you want to be a child of God. Even if it means change, transforming, drawing closer to God, coming down off of the hill where you're really comfortable and seeing what God has done for you. Draw close to Him and God will draw near to you. You know, we want to be there to help. I know, strange time, but nothing, not COVID, not social distancing, not even Satan himself can keep you from being a child of God if you want to be one. I encourage you to get on that journey today. And let us know if we can help you in any way along that path. I'm going to pray for us now. I'm going to pray for the lesson. I've got a couple of um, prayer requests, and then we'll be dismissed. And, and I hope that you will take this lesson 